Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. This is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. I don't know whose stupid idea it was to do two of these Not Sam Wrestling podcasts a week, but here we are anyway. You're probably sitting there going like, yeah, it's a good idea to do two Not Sam Wrestling podcasts a week. There's so much wrestling content to, content to talk about. And I'm like, yeah, of course there's so much wrestling content to talk about, but guess what? Sometimes I'm not sitting there in the studio. Sometimes I end up in positions where I got to sit here in a public airport in Orlando, Florida, where I've been for hours and act like I'm not a crazy person that's found a corner and a microphone to talk into so I can still get this podcast out because by the time I land back in New York, there's no way that I'm going to have time to record. I've already had like nine people looking at me as I do this. It's going to be really, really difficult. But I'm here in Orlando still uh, where at this point, 24 hours removed from the historic first uh, Wednesday NXT to AEW head-to-head night, USA versus TNT. Uh, And this is the first of the weekly Thursday update, not Sam Wrestling shows. Now, usually these will go up in the afternoon. But I was in Orlando, so obviously I flew in on Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, I, I did my Sirius XM radio show, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, from the WWE Performance Center, which was great. We had Triple H on the show, and as a bonus, because this is such a ridiculous show today, I'm going to throw that interview with Triple H at the end of today's show. So after we're done talking about Monday, after we're done talking about Wednesday, I'll throw on the interview that we did with Triple H. So any of you that missed that on Sirius XM, you can hear it here on the podcast. So I did that. There was a media event on Wednesday as well. So uh, uh, I was able to interview a whole bunch of NXT superstars, which will be part of the podcast on Monday, the interview podcast, the next Not Sam Wrestling podcast on Monday. You'll be able to hear a lot of NXT superstar interviews, which I will talk about at the end of today's show as well. Uh, Then, of course, Wednesday was the big day. Wednesday was the first two-hour episode of NXT on the USA Network. I was there for the pre-show, so I rushed out of the Performance Center, went back to the hotel, put that beautiful blue suit on, pink shirt, pink tie, jetted right to Full Sail University so I could be a part of that pre-show and then be a part of of NXT and see it live and, and, and bear witness to history and feel the energy of the audience and everything and it was a super cool thing to do right after that i'm back to the hotel then wake up this morning back to the performance center to do jim norton and sam roberts once again it's a daily show after all then back to the hotel pack everything up head to the airport delay delay maintenance weather laguardia orlando regardless they're zapping the hours away in my day. 
and these are hours that I want to give to you. So that's what we're doing. So the premise of doing these two shows a week is the Thursday show is really to be utilized to talk about the, the news that is broken from Monday through the end of Wednesday, which is basically Raw, NXT, AEW, and then whatever else other news happens. Like just now, as I'm sitting here at the airport, I'm scrolling through stuff, and uh, apparently there are people, there's like some Twitter account that's saying it's just about a done deal that CM Punk is going to be on this WWE backstage show. Now again, I stay by what I said on the show last week, which is you can't sit there and say this is a, a WWE move. I mean, you can't sit there and say this is a Fox News. Uh, look, I'm at the airport. There's people looking at me. I'm having a lot of trouble maintaining my stream of consciousness right now. It's insane. This is stupid. However, <laughs> I'm not editing any of it. However, uh, I don't think that this. you could say this is just a Fox move. You know, I don't think you could sit there and say, well, Fox acted independently and WWE had no idea. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if somebody's going to be representing the WWE product, even on a show that's not 100% produced by WWE, I would think that WWE is at least going to have an awareness over the direction that said producer is going to go in. So, that said, I don't think this isn't going to happen. There's no reason for me to say that it's BS because I don't know whether it's BS or not. But if it does happen, you can rest assured that on some level, the WWE is open to CM Punk inclusion in their content, which I think bodes well, really well, for all of us wrestling fans. Because I think we're going to be way closer to having CM Punk in a wrestling ring, in a WWE wrestling ring, if we see him on WWE backstage. And if that does happen then you'll know that you heard it from Scoops Roberts first. By the way, also the first person to break the story that LAX would be Chris Jericho's tag team partners. Scoops, okay. hack wrestling journalist, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. Now let's talk about Raw first. I mean, obviously Wednesday is what's on our minds. We've, we've now seen the ratings. We know what happened. But briefly, let's talk about Raw because Raw was still big, you know, and you felt the, the vibe whether you liked it or you didn't like it, you could see that clearly WWE was trying to do something different with Raw this week. Um, I think that this was a week that it seemed like Paul Heyman, especially some some storylines, had his hands completely on the product. Uh, new look for the show. I actually like that. I mean, people were making fun of the new setup, the new stage, the screen with the, that, that's all screen and it looks like a half pipe. I saw, like, uh, somebody put the Tony Hawk Pro Skater logo over it. I like it. I say more video, the better. I wish it were bigger, quite frankly. I remember when, like, the Titantron debuted for the first time. We were all looking at it going, like, oh, my God, what is this monstrosity? Because we hadn't seen anything that big. And I kind of wish that, like, you could go to a wide shot of somebody like Becky Lynch coming out and it just looked like it was screen forever. Not just sweeping down, but also like like it just took up the entire wall of the arena. More screen, the better, as far as I'm concerned. That's a philosophy here on Not Sam Wrestling. Screen, screen, screen. I guess I didn't realize how much pyro really adds to a show. I think you felt that on Raw this week, and quite frankly, you felt it on AEW this week, that it really does make the show seem like a bigger deal. When when Pyro became a regular part of Raw during the Attitude Era, 
it made everything feel like a bigger deal. It made it feel like uh, uh, this is a spectacle to be seen. This is you're putting money into something that is just making money. It seems like the show is bigger, and it seemed like this week Raw was bigger. Whether you're talking about you know the the fireworks that uh, Brock Lesnar got, whether you're talking about the steam that Becky Lynch got, all of it, all the little detailing. Anytime you can find reasons to add detail, you give the impression that you care. You know what I mean? Like when when little stuff gets added, whether you even notice it or not, just the whole picture starts to get painted that there is somebody with their hands deeply on this. So to go from that and then make it such a spectacle and fireworks are going off and everything, you just, I was really glad to see him back on Raw. I think it added a lot, especially, I mean, I'll bet they'll be on SmackDown too. But if they're not on SmackDown... It's definitely going to help in that battle of whether Raw is still the franchise show or not. This week, it's clearly not. But this week is the premiere of SmackDown on Fox, right? So I don't think it's fair. I don't, you can't really judge anything big picture at all this week. Because this week is like the craziest, most exciting, do a podcast in an airport worthy week of wrestling ever. It's premiere week for everything. It's the whole wrestling world changes right in front of our eyes. Week. So, I think you can just start to get the picture. We saw Dio, Vic Joseph, and Jerry Lawler take over the commentary desk for the first time. Which, again, I mean, I think that uh, it was definitely different. You know, I think uh, Dio's just getting comfortable. I don't think we've really gotten to know him as a commentator as much as we will. Uh, just because he hasn't done it a lot. There hasn't been a lot of time for him to figure out how to come out of his shell. You know, so I, I don't think that it's even time to talk about whether he's the man or not, you know. I think he will be, you know, somebody's getting called. Somebody's got to go to a gate or something. I think that he will be, you know. I don't think that people get put in that position accidentally. And they certainly, once they're in that position, they're not sitting there thinking that, like, oh, okay, we'll see if this works. And in a couple of weeks, if it doesn't, we'll just take him out like he's there so and from everything that I've heard you know WWE commentators it's not like they just jump on commentary for the first time on television and then every every bit of commentary they do is just whatever shows are on part of the performance center is is training broadcasters so from everything that I've heard there's a reason you know those, those tapes from what happens uh, in the broadcast room in the performance center get sent up and people hear those tapes and and there is something that I think we're all going to end up loving about Dio. Um, Vic Joseph is fantastic. Everybody knows that by now. And, you know, people were being harsh on Jerry Lawler, I think, on Twitter because he went into Lawler mode and went into soundbite mode and everything. But quite frankly, Jerry's job was to fill that air. Jerry's job, I think, in that first week was to make it so all the responsibility was not on these two young guys that have never done a full episode of Monday Night Raw before. So I think that's something you got to take into account, and I, I think that you, you have to let this commentary team evolve. I think the opening segment of Raw was fantastic, one of the best segments in a long time, you know, and I, I think that not only because we got to see Brock Lesnar be brutal again, not only because we got to see Rey Mysterio be sympathetic again, but watching... It sets up Dominic for such a tremendous future, I think. You know, and boy, boy, can that kid take a suplex. You see him fly halfway across the ring? That's not an accident either. 
It was really cool. And then the, the visual of, of, of Ray kind of reaching out for Dominic and trying to help his son even though he can't move because Brock has beaten him so badly and all he can do is watch Brock Lesnar destroy his offspring. I just thought it was such a cool story. And it can end up in a lot of different ways, you know. I still think that Brock Lesnar is going to beat Kofi Kingston on SmackDown this week. Um, and I think theoretically, and who knows, maybe it'll even happen at Crown Jewel. I think, you know, because some people go like, well, maybe Rey Mysterio, this will lead to Rey Mysterio interfering on SmackDown. And then it'll, it'll set up a rivalry between Rey Mysterio and Brock Lesnar. And Kofi Kingston keeps the title, I think, more realistically we may see a pay-per-view title match where Rey Mysterio is challenging Brock Lesnar, and I think we can be taken on a story where we actually believe that Rey might get one Universal Championship title reign left in him. I don't think he will, you know, but I think that that's a story we can believe enough that we would care about that match. Um, you know, and I also think that it leads right into to Dominic and his future in the WWE. I mean, clearly... He's been given a ton of TV time. I don't think that that's just because he's around. You know, I think that, that we will see him uh, uh, become a WWE superstar at some point. Uh, and I love it. This is a hell of an introduction, a hell of a segment. It got me very, very interested very, very quickly. Um, I didn't expect it. Uh, it I, I loved how it changed the course of everything on the show. And I, I thought it was great. I thought the opening segment was fantastic. I think that something they've done really well since Clash of Champions, is build up this story between Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. You know, I think that when you look at the two, first of all, it's interesting that the both Hell in a Cell matches, you know, usually they do two Hell in a Cell matches at these pay-per-views because one's Raw and one's SmackDown. This year, it's two Raw matches. The Universal title and the Raw Women's Championship are the two titles being defended in Hell in a Cell. But those are the two matches you want to see in Hell in a Cell, quite frankly. You know, and, and honestly, those are the two matches that I think you're most looking forward to going into this Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Those are the stories that you're most invested in. I think The Fiend has only had home runs on television. Um, I love how kind of scared Seth Rollins looks about the whole thing and how strong The Fiend has looked. I don't think there's ever been a character, save for maybe Andre the Giant, that has been able, maybe you could say Steve Austin when he was injured. That's the level of strength that The Fiend has without ever having had matches. He's had one match, and it was in August. His whole build into being a main eventer has been with him outside of the ring. You know, and I think that Andre had that power because of, you know, his size, and it, it was his experience too. And I think that when Steve Austin was injured, after he injured his neck uh, in the Owen Hart match, he wasn't wrestling matches, but he was on TV all the time to the point that we didn't care. We wanted Austin to come back, and we wanted Austin to win the WWE Championship. Now, for both Andre and Austin, part of it was what they had done in the ring prior to not wrestling. We knew that they had a record that stood on what they had been doing since. With The Fiend, it's one match, vignettes, and run-ins. And that's it. And I don't think there's ever been a character like that before. And I think that it's really, really cool. So, crushing it with that. Crushing it with Becky and Sasha. I mean, I think that the 
the chatter. I think that they're doing great with, uh, I think Baron is the king, is the refresh that he needed, which is what we said it would be when we first started talking about King of the Ring. Scoops let you know that's exactly what was going to happen. Hack wrestling journalist, last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts in the airport. People, Every single person that has walked by has looked at me, all of them. Oh, what's he doing? None, none of your business is what I'm doing. You know, this will be on the internet later. Don't worry about it. It's embarrassing enough for me without you looking at me, quite frankly. So, you know, I, I and, and I, I, so I kind of liked what happened with the Flair Hogan thing and the Miz TV thing. Because in my head, I sometimes go like, okay, if I'm a commentator, what story am I telling uh, to kind of talk about what's about to happen? And before they even opened their mouths, I was thinking to myself, well, here you've got Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, undoubtedly the two men that stand at the top of the wrestling mountain, but I don't think they've ever quite agreed on which one stands over who. And then the fact that they kind of went there with it, they kind of got into it. Because to me, I, I thought it to myself because I thought that was the most natural thing that is a conflict between these two. If you wanted to create a conflict between these two, what would it be? And that's what occurred to me. And the fact that they went there and there was that kind of tension between the two of them, I almost wish that it hadn't gotten friendly. You know, that Ric Flair hadn't relaxed. I don't... I like the idea of there being real tension here. If they're going to do the five-on-five match, I would prefer it be with tension between these two and not sort of the... I don't like friendly rivalry. I've never liked friendly rivalry. I don't like friendly rivalry. So I would like the tension to grow between these two as that match develops and and that there is no sort of friendly rivalry. I want Ric Flair to come on TV and say, I'm the best of all time, and Hulk Hogan to say, no, I thoroughly object to that. You're not the best of all time. I'm much better. And Ric Flair going, you only do two moves, and Hulk Hogan going, you've only won two matches. I mean... I think it'd be awesome because you can have them go at each other even though they're not going to have a match because now you've got this five-on-five thing where it really matters because they really, really want their team to beat the other one. Um, So I think that has potential. I like the beginning of it. Once it got friendly, not as much. Uh, The close, though, the close of the show, not the Fiend stuff. The Fiend stuff was great. The Fiend stuff is always great. But the <laughs> soap opera stuff that is coming back to Raw is like, I mean, to me, I think it's hilarious. I love it. People forget sometimes. They think that the attitude, they go like, oh, I wish the attitude era was back. Stone Cold in the Rock. And it's like, yeah, Stone Cold in the Rock. But there was a whole bunch, a whole bunch of nonsense that was going on at the same time. And you can't just have Stone Cold in the Rock. If you want it all, you got to have the nonsense too. We've got The Fiend. We've got Seth Rollins. You know, we've got Sasha and Becky. We're going to have to have the nonsense, too. And the nonsense, I hope... I never thought I would say this. But I hope the... (laughs) Rusev is the baby daddy of Mike and Maria storyline hasn't disappeared. You know, and and I don't think there's any reason to think that it has disappeared. I think that whenever there's not an immediate follow-up to a storyline, the same thing was happening with the Roman Reigns thing, people tend to jump to, like, oh... They've forgotten about it. Oh, they're just, they're, you know, they're throwing in the towel on it. They're not going to do it anymore. And I don't think there's any evidence of that. You know, I think that they might just not be trying to take a giant leap every single Raw. Hopefully, they haven't just dropped that. Because if they've just dropped it, 
and they've just decided that we need Rusev involved in some kind of infidelity cuckold storyline. And then I think that that's really odd. You know, and then I think that that's weird. But if your story is that Lana started an affair with Bobby Lashley because she heard that Rusev was fathering children with Maria Kanellis, then at least it's like one story and not just somebody obsessed with doing as many cuckold storylines as they possibly can. And I am rushing when I say that word because I'm in a public airport and there's people walking by me all the time and I don't necessarily want them to hear me sitting here in a corner by myself uh, in a microphone talking about cuckolding. You know, it's not comfortable for me. I think a lot of us are uncomfortable watching it play out in front of us on Monday Night Raw every week. But guess what? If you sit there and tell me there will be at least one cuckold segment on Raw a week, I'm watching it. I think it's entertaining. I think it's funny. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's absurd. And it keeps me interested. Mari Povich and his Who Is The Daddy shows are still on TV. Like, Mari is still doing his show. Half the shows every season are Who Is The Daddy shows because people are interested. Soap operas are still big. You know what I mean? And I, I truly believe that even though we have this sort of revolution in wrestling where we've got AEW and NXT both presenting a more athletic sports-like show, you can't tell me that there's not always going to be room for soap opera stuff. To me, when I think about was that a successful wrestling show or not, I always think, what is the thing that I can say happened to my buddy at work? What's the thing that I can say happened to my wife? What's the thing that I can say happened? Like, this week on NXT, I think when you go like, oh, Finn Balor came back. Oh, Ciampa came back. That's two things right there. You could say, like, oh, this match was great. The opener was incredible. The women's championship was incredible. Like, that's all good for wrestling fans. But if you just want to get across to somebody, like, oh, the ending was awesome because Ciampa came back. Oh, okay. On AEW, I would say, like, the big takeaway was, like, oh, my God, look at this clip of, of Dean Ambrose throwing uh, Kenny Omega through a glass table. That clip of the, 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 just the gif, just the gif of him throwing Omega through a glass table. That's your takeaway. That's your moment where you're like, oh, my God, I got to watch this show. On Raw? Sorry. What was the thing that everybody was talking about after that show? Bobby Lashley making out with Lana. Bobby Lashley came back and he made out with Lana in front of her husband for some reason. And I think you're going to attract even more people because I could tell that to my wife. And she'd go, what? And you know why? Because Lana and Rusev were on Total Divas. And you could say what you want about trying to draw a different audience to wrestling content with shows like AEW and NXT I don't think you're drawing a completely different audience you know wrestling fans are wrestling fans but Total Divas draws a completely different audience there's an entire audience of people that just watch WWE and never watch Total Divas and there's an entire audience of people that just watch Total Divas and never WWE so if you go oh this person I know from this reality show that I love is making out with Bobby Lashley in front of her husband Rusev I mean they're at least talking about it. I think they're watching, but they're at least going to talk about it. And that's the first step. you got to have stuff that people are talking about on these shows. Good or bad. And guess what? Raw is three hours. So how about this? I will give you the opening segment with Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio. I don't know anybody that didn't like that segment. It was incredible. I'll give you that segment, 
and I'll give you a segment with The Fiend and Seth Rollins and somebody, whatever you want. I'll give you a Fiend segment. I'll give you a Fiend segment, and I'll give you a segment with Brock Lesnar just decimating the entire Rey Mysterio family tree. If you give me Bobby Lashley making out with Rusev's wife in front of Rusev, make the deal. Make, it's a three-hour show. You can, I'll give you a lot. You got to give me a little. You know what I mean? I'll give you a great match between King Corbin and, and Chad Gable or Cedric Alexander, whoever you want. You let me do a cuckold thing. You know what I mean? That's the deal we make. So that's what uh, that's where I kind of landed on Raw in terms of Wednesday. So let me start by saying clearly, I have an incredible, obvious, rational bias toward NXT. If you ask me at 10 p.m., I mean, t- I mean, you wouldn't have been able to ask me at 10 p.m. By 10 p.m., I'd really just watch NXT, but immediately after watching both shows. So here's what I did. I watched NXT, obviously, because it was there at Full Sail. I went back to my hotel. I watched, like, the last, I don't know, maybe hour of AEW on the replay. And then this morning I woke up and watched, caught up on what I hadn't seen from AEW. If you ask me right after the shows which one I liked better, I'm going to tell you NXT. And I did like NXT better. I thought every match on NXT was great, but, you know, I haven't... I've made it pretty clear, like, I'm a giant NXT fan. There's not much... I I could have told you before the show started I was going to like NXT better. It's just what it was. Especially when you've got AEW and NXT presenting products that are going to be their best. But I'm going to say this about AEW. Like, I was ready to watch it and be cynical and just explain why, you know, NXT is better in every single way. And I was doing that for part of it. And it was like all these little nuances that don't matter. But at the end of it, I was like, you know what? AEW really looks like a big deal. This is your last and final boarding call for flight 160. That's not my flight. Last and final boarding call for 160. I'm 1198. No problem. That's a flight to Puerto Rico. I'm going back to New York, hopefully at some point, so I can publish this. And I'm not just looking like a fool in an airport for no apparent reason. Now you got people walking by there, like, looking at me with the side of their eye, except trying to look forward because they're trying to be polite. Which, you know, I respect. Actually, something uh, hilarious just happened. Just as I was saying that, somebody was looking at me, and then I looked up at them, and they pretended they weren't looking at me. It's great. What a social experiment this whole thing is. Who would have thought, huh? Airport podcast. I just give and give and give. Um, But AEW, I thought, came across, like, really, really well. And clearly, it would be foolish for anyone at this point to sit here and try to say, well, AEW did this wrong and AEW did that wrong because 1.4 million people watched the show. And that's a huge rating. It's a higher rating than I thought it would get. NXT got just over, uh, just under 900,000 views. I thought the pyro worked. I thought having TNT branding all over the place for AEW was really good. It made it the product look bigger. It made it feel like it was a big corporately sponsored deal that, that a giant cable network like TNT had really invested in. So I thought the TNT logos everywhere helped. Um, it was funny that, like, Jack Swagger had his moment where he came out and, like, he was the surprise, and I thought it was a good surprise, and everybody reacted to it, and I think he's going to do well in AEW. But, you know, Jim Ross, first of all, you know, there's no reason for him to curse. And second of all, uh, when he's, like, rattling off, it did for a second show what the power of WWE and branding is, 
because as as Jim Ross and Excalibur and Tony Schiavone are rattling off all the accolades that Jack Swagger has, the audience is still chanting, we the people. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like Jack Swagger shows up and they're remembering the stuff he did in WWE, which wasn't even that popular. So it did, I mean, for a second I was like, you know, that that shows you why we talk about AEW in the context of whether they're going to beat NXT and we're not even at the point yet where we talk about them beating WWE. Who knows? Maybe we'll get there. But that's just not the conversation. There were a couple of things um, that I thought were weird. Um, I thought it was weird that they didn't just start with action. You know, like if, if, if their whole thing is like we're all about what's going on in the ring... I thought it was weird to start with a pre-tape. I get telling the story of why we're watching Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara, but I think it would have been better to have the commentators tell that story and just let the three-man booth intro the show just the way they did, let you know what's coming up on tonight's show just the way they did. I thought that was great. But instead of going to that pre-tape package, go right to the match and just go for it. You know what I mean? And just start, make the entrances pretty quick, and here we are, we're in the ring now, and we're doing this thing. Here's here's what I, I really took away, because NXT I thought was amazing. I thought, you know, having your moments where you've got Balor and Ciampa. And then when Finn Balor comes out, I'm going like, now that is a guy that is perfect for coming back to NXT. I would argue that Finn Balor is the greatest NXT champion of all time, that that is the legacy that Adam Cole has to beat, that... You know, Finn Balor's best stuff was in NXT. That wasn't equaled on the main roster. And as NXT is growing, I think it. I think Finn Balor is just going to bring it up. I don't think they're going to bring Finn Balor down. I don't think Finn Balor is going to bring them down. I think both NXT is going to raise Finn Balor's stock because he's going to be able to be himself. And Finn Balor is going to raise NXT's, NXT's stock because people are going to remember that he's a big star. He's a global star. Um... So, it did get me to thinking who else should be there. Like, I, I think now, I think Cody Sane and Asuka should be back in NXT, to tell you the truth. Let's fill out that women's division, because right now, Shayna Baszler has zero opponents, okay? She's beaten everybody. Who do you, I mean, Bianca Belair, Mia Yim, now Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley. She's beaten everybody. What are you going to have for her at TakeOver? I love that we don't know right now who Adam Cole's got at TakeOver. I don't want it to be a triple threat. I love the idea of there being levels of people in that main event category. I love the idea that only Finn Balor or Ciampa are going to get that title opportunity. And they know as well, like, I love the idea of, let's say Ciampa goes to the next takeover, which I'm assuming is Survivor Series weekend, but I don't know for sure. But let's say he goes to that takeover and he gets the title opportunity against Adam Cole. I love the idea that Finn Balor is waiting in the wings, which means he's not getting a rematch at the next takeover because Finn Balor is the one that's going to get the next title match. So he's got to win tonight because if he doesn't win tonight, there's somebody else waiting for that spot. I love that. I think that that's awesome. Um, So I want it to be, yeah, a a one-on-one, not a triple threat. Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think Asuka and Kairi Sane need to be back in NXT, especially because you can build up Kairi Sane as the one person that did beat Shayna Baszler. She beat her for the Women's Championship before Shayna beat her back for it, but Asuka more importantly. 
You know, I think that Asuka was undefeated in NXT, left undefeated, had to vacate the women's championship. So I think an Asuka-Shayna Baszler match would make people's heads spin. I can't call that one. Um, not right now, anyway. Like, I don't think... Kev- I think Kevin Owens has been so successful on the main roster and his character has changed so much. I want him to stay in there. I want him to beat Shane McMahon in the ladder match. Shane McMahon goes off TV for a while, and Kevin Owens is a big star on SmackDown. I don't think there's any reason to take him off SmackDown or Raw. Like, But I, I think that Kevin Owens right now is a better fit over there. Um, I think at some point, we should probably see Shinsuke Nakamura have another run in NXT. I think that would be super successful. You know, I think there's I think there's a bunch of people that could do it. I thought that the overall energy and pacing of the NXT show was a lot better than AEW, and that's because I think that we know and the people at NXT know what NXT is supposed to feel like. But I think that, that, that there was just something happening at all times. Everything was good. I think on AEW, you did have some ebbs and flows. You had some dips where you're like, what is this? This is dumb. Or, okay, this match is okay, but it's not great. On NXT, they just delivered product that everybody loves. The show was super tight, and the energy's great. In full sale, like, I mean, I, the energy was amazing on AEW too, though. But I think that the energy with everybody, with the performers, with the commentators, like, everybody felt like they were on the same page when you watch NXT. And that wasn't the case for AEW. There were highlights and lowlights on AEW. NXT was a constant. NXT was a very tight show. I think that the real takeaway from Wednesday is that because AEW did win the ratings battle, you're now going to have an AEW that is hell-bent on keeping that lead, which means they are more motivated than ever to put on the best shows they can. And you've got an NXT that has now developed a chip on their shoulder, not just for for stealing the show from Raw and SmackDown, but now they've got a real competitor. Now they've got an outside competitor. Now NXT has a real chip on their shoulder to prove that they're the best wrestling in the world, and that's going to stay. And I think that they're going to stop at nothing to prove that. And I think that you're going to see some NXT shows that absolutely smoke. I think the results of this rating war are that we, as the fans, win. That we're going to see, because of what the ratings showed, we're going to see Wednesday nights, two companies putting on the greatest shows humanly possible. And then it's up to you. Then it's up to you who you think's gonna who who you think's the best after that. I'll tell you who I think. It's the spot that I did the pre-show for. I'm a I'm an NXT fan. No, Spirit Flight One Two. No, that's not mine. Um. Yeah, I think okay. I okay. I got the late again. I'm safe. We can keep going. I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be a fun time. And now we're, we're a day removed until Friday when we have the SmackDown premiere on Fox that they're pulling out all the stops for. And I think at least for the first few weeks, they're going to continue to pull out all the stops for SmackDown on Fox. You know, I, I think that we'll probably see a scenario where you got Paul Heyman, who's hell-bent on making Raw the best show humanly possible because he wants to prove that he's still got it. You know what I mean? He wants to prove that he can come in and, and be the man in wrestling. You got Triple H, who's going to want to prove that NXT is what I and most of the NXT fans think it is, the best wrestling on the planet. And he's going to be hell-bent on making the best show ever. And then I think you've got Eric Bischoff, but more importantly, I think Vince McMahon is going to be concentrating very much on SmackDown. 
It's on network television. It's on Fox. They're promoting the hell out of it. They're paying a lot of money for it. And you're going to have that camp trying to make SmackDown the best show ever. And, oh, here's AEW trying to maintain a pretty good number that they got in the ratings. So, you know, I think as we look forward, it's only good things for all of us. There's just going to be so much amazing content. Like, there's not going to be any content that we don't watch because it's not good. The only content we don't watch is just going to be because there's only so many hours in the day, and sometimes we get stuck in these airports. They're doing the blue carpet pre-show special on Friday for SmackDown, uh, where they're going to have, you know, wrestlers and celebrities. They've got uh, Booker T and Renee Young. They've got uh, Kayla, Kayla Braxton. They've got uh, uh, one of the women from uh, Fox Sports is coming over to help them out. And who knows? They get these deals signed. Will we see CM Punk on that blue carpet pre-show? I wouldn't be shocked. And if we do, you heard it here first from Scoops Roberts, the last professional broadcaster, hack wrestling journalist, Sam Roberts. I think we've got a, a situation where we're going to see uh, Kofi Kingston lose that title, I think. I think Shane McMahon's going to lose his career, I think. And I think something's going to happen in this uh, four horsewomen tag match. I think, I, I think there's going to be a result of that, too. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about coming off of SmackDown, and we'll talk about all of it on the Monday podcast. Now, on the Monday podcast this week, I'll have interviews with a ton of people from NXT, some people we've spoken to before. I'll have uh, members of the Undisputed Era. I'll have uh, people we've never spoken to before on the podcast. I'll have an interview with Johnny Gargano. An inter- or Gargano, I think people hate it when I say Gargano. An interview with Candice LeRae. An interview with Matt Riddle. Another interview with Shayna Baszler. And get this, what if I told you on Monday, one of the people that you'll hear from on this podcast is me one-on-one with Bianca Belair. I'm not kidding. And not in an airport either. A real-life conversation. It's going to be a whole medley of NXT superstars. Interviews with all of them. On the Monday podcast, we're going to go over SmackDown. We're going to save Hell in a Cell recap for the Thursday show because I will be on the kickoff show for Hell in a Cell. I'm flying, to, I'm flying home now. On Saturday, I'm leaving for Sacramento. I'm getting a red eye out on Sunday, and I can't do another, uh, I'll say, goddamn airport podcast. So I'm going to put together an incredible podcast for you that's going to be ready to go Monday morning. I'm going to record it on Saturday. It'll be ready to go Monday. Sunday, the pay-per-view will happen, and we'll recap all of it on Thursday, along with Raw and NXT AEW. It's going to be incredible. Thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you with a nice, lengthy, I don't know, I think it's like 30-minute-plus conversation that we had with Triple H. On Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. It was me, it was Jim Norton, Bob Kelly in studio, and uh, Triple H came in. I was at the Performance Center. I had Triple H next to me, Jim Norton and Bob Kelly back in New York, and we all had a time of it. Great stories about Lemmy, great stories about Rick Rubin, uh, talking about uh, NXT, the control uh, Vince McMahon might have, Triple H's thoughts on me, and the fact that I got a haircut. We get into all of it. Let's leave you. Today, on the first ever Not Sam Wrestling Thursday update from an airport, as we go back to Sirius XM a couple days ago, and our conversation with Triple H. Oh, look who's here. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We could just walked into our uh, big our studios. Man. There's so much. There's <laughs> yeah, such, this is, there's I, such a I difference. Love, <laughs> yeah, I'm welcoming Triple H into the room that he owns and has invited me in. Yeah. There's it such, is weird to see a man in that room. Yeah, there's such a difference between <laughs> what a man, what a what a man is, and then what what you are, Sam. Bob Kelly's there in New York with him, and they were just pointing out that after watching me all morning, yes. it's really odd to see a man walk into. If the you room. said, "Can I just say something, and, Sam?" If you said Shazam, that's what you would turn into. <laughs> Nobody's buying that tape on beard either. <laughs> you don't think so? Uh, so they're concerned. Bob Kelly, especially, uh, I like turn but, this down because you're screaming at me. Right yeah. Here you uh, go. That should work. I like that. He's told Sam, Sam, you're too loud. You're too loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're saying that because uh, my hair is trimmed down from where it used to be, right. that I don't provide enough uh, pizzazz yeah, no for NXT anymore. Yeah. yeah, you're a little bit flat now. <laughs> Boom. <think so? laughs> Boom. He's flat. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. He's as flat as my sister. Do you have to use like one of those man groomers, like uh, the manscape things? No, I went to a stylist to get this done. Oof. You know, like, uh, her, uh Curly hair specialist, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you get that done? A VFW? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I wanted to ask you, Triple H, because Sam is, is too shy to ask, but he's been fairly adamant about deserving to fly on the private plane. Um, <laughs> he, he feels that that's how he should be uh, shuttled to and from uh, gigs, and we would like to know if there's any chance of that, yeah. that happening. I feel there's a possibility <laughs> down the line of that happening, but like all these things have to happen in steps. Like right now, his travel perks are Greyhound bus. <laughs> um, you know, we get him the coach tab on that. Right. Come with the bag lunch, but we'll get him to the bag lunch on the Greyhound. Move up the line eventually. You well, get there. That's what I like. I like something with a lot of potential. No, Lots of room to grow. Room yeah. to grow. <laughs> yeah, and if, you, if you apply yourself like you have. Yeah. For most of your life, you yeah. will eventually that's what, get to it. That's what Sam's wife does, too. Room for improvement. I've <laughs> <laughs> been working on that room to grow with her yeah. for so, a long time. So that plane, how long were you with the company? Because I know like flying uh, uh, on the plane is the big thing. Did you start immediately, or did you kind of have to be there for a couple of years before you finally started getting on that? No, you know, it's funny. People make a huge deal out of that plane. Um, it It is realistically the only way that we can do that from a television production standpoint is pretty much the only way that we can do what we do um, and get the places we need to go to. So when I was a talent, I never flew on that or anything else, you know, from from a, a company's standpoint, from the executives or from Vince's standpoint to be able to get where he needs to be and get back or whatever that is. It, it is not people go, oh, it must be so nice. You sit on there and you eat sushi or whatever. Uh yeah, while you're working. It's a working right. it's an office in the air. And and if anybody's ever met Vince, he doesn't stop. He's twenty four seven. So it's an office in the air. Is Vince okay if people go like, Oh, you know, we, we just had a long night. I'm gonna take a nap before I uh, yeah, it does, doesn't happen very it doesn't. often. Yeah, you see a lot of people watching him. If he was to nod off, you'd see a lot of people very <laughs> trying to take a nap. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't happen that often because he's 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 on the go all the time, and that's really what that place is, is a flying off. Do you upgrade it every year? or like Is it is it the same plane for the last you know 10 no, years? The, the company's had the same plane now for a while. Um, I, you know, to be honest, I don't remember when they when they got the new one, but it's uh, they, they've had this one for a while. And do you I, like being do you like being a boss 
yes. of people. Like to go from, I mean, obviously you relate to them in a different way because Jim, you're not anybody's not boss. You, Let me just say that. You, you, like, for example, yes, in the example of if you were telling me what to do right now, it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he does. That makes sense. Yeah. But now, but when you're a boss, like people come up to you. Like, you're the person they go to. They want things. You get to deliver the good news, but you also, unless you hire somebody to deliver the bad news for you. Uh, you, you so, one, I don't necessarily look try to look at myself as anybody's boss. I try to look at myself in the role of, this is a business where everybody has to work together to get common stuff done. That's, that's how I see it. So it's a giant team. The, the point is, though, at some point in time, somebody has to make the final decision on things. So you debate a lot of things. You talk about a lot of things. Um, and then somebody has to make the final decision, whether popular or unpopular, you have to make the final decision and it's got to be solid and stick to it. The truth is nobody really understands that role until they have that role. You can think when you're in the number two spot, well, this is so obvious, I would do this. But when the pressure is on you to have that decision being yours and live or die by it right. or whatever, that's a different, it, it, the dynamic absolutely changes in the moment it becomes your responsibility and and then to not second guess and do all those things it's it's a j just the difference of even just one show where you're in the position of uh, going along with things or p p presenting your ideas and thinking like this is dumb. we should do this it's so be so much better or whatever but then when that becomes your decision to make it's a different ball game Have you had moments where you've gone like this was my decision and it didn't work and you're like oh shit absolutely yeah yeah absolutely anybody that's in that position yeah absolutely the truth is you don't know if the other one would have worked better right a lot of times you know there's a You'll hear said in this business a lot, sometimes things are chocolate and vanilla, right? So it's it's all ice cream. It's all pretty good. But, right. <laughs> right. Like, do you want chocolate or do you want vanilla? You eat the chocolate, you go like, ah, that wasn't really what I wanted today. But right. I don't know. The vanilla might not have been any better. You find out everybody know. wanted strawberry anyway. So yeah. you, 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 sometimes that happens too. Yeah. So. Are you good at making decisions? Like, are you good at, at, at telling people things that you know they're not going to like? Like, some guys who are bosses are comfortable doing that. I, I'm terrible at it. Like, I hate telling people things that I know they're not going to like. Or, are you comfortable doing that? I, I think so, because I think if, if as long as you have logical and reasonable explanation. Now, somebody might totally disagree with you, but if I, as long as I feel like I can defend my position of here's here's what I'm telling you and here's why I'm telling it to you. Like this is what I feel should have happened or whatever that is, whatever the, the reasoning is. But as long as you have that logical reason behind you, somebody might say, well, I disagree with the outcome or whatever, but okay, but here's how I got there. It's not like I just made this stuff up and decided I don't like you, so I'm going to do this. Right. You know, there's a logical reason to it. And, and as long as you're there, yeah, then then you just have to you get, make your decision stick by it. But you have, but the problem is, is that it's not like you're at a subway where you're telling a 14-year-old nerd, <laughs> the guys you're... You're, you might have a problem, an argument with, are huge. Like, these are these are really big guys. I mean, have you ever had a, well, look, we got to do this, and they get so pissed where it gets Bob, heated. I don't know if you've met Triple H. He's also got some size to him <laughs> well, as well. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him next to you, so I yeah. really, I, it really, is, he's actually <laughs> bigger now. really close to the camera and me far away. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 our business is very professional. So you, you see the craziness that you see on camera and on screen and everything. But behind the scenes, obviously, there's a lot of emotion to anything you do. And, 
you know, passion of, of what we do and all that stuff. But for the most part, it's, everybody's pretty professional and you're just having discussions about things. And sometimes you got to tell somebody something they don't like. Other times you give them news they love. So it, 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 uh, it just depends on the day, but everybody's reasonable. Do you but like the crossover? You, sorry, Sam. Do you like the no, crossover you guys have had with UFC? It's really interesting uh, between uh, you know, Brock and, and, and Ronda, two of the biggest stars in both, have kind of worked well. Uh, I mean, Ronda went from one to the other, and Brock has kind of gone back and forth. You must be happy about that. And Shayna Baszler, too, who was on The Ultimate Fighter. Matt Riddle. Is now, oh, right, yeah, Matt Riddle, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, he, he does, definitely doesn't Matt like, Riddle was an incredible uh, yeah. you know, standout UFC performer, and then... You know, made the transition to what we do. I I am a big believer in the athletes. You know, no different than you see um, talent like a Baron Corbin, who you know I know he gets a lot of heat, but he's a phenomenal performer. He was an NFL player. You know, came into this a little bit later. Um, was a fan, but then came into this a little bit later as a performer. You see Braun Strowman coming in from strongman. Um, competitions and so you see athletes coming in from a lot of different uh, backgrounds but I think that's one of the things that the that was the goal of the performance center when we did this you know uh, five or seven years ago whatever it was when we started I don't have terrible dates but um, when we the concept of this was to create a pathway for people I would meet people all the time in various either sporting you know events or entertainment that would just say man i've always dreamed about doing that i've been such a fan i would love to do that i just how do you get into it and there was no there was no clear path to do this you know i'd meet guys that were in the nfl and think like "Ah, i got another year left but yeah i'm 23 or something and i man i want i want to continue to be an athlete and my i've always dreamed of two things nfl i've done that and and wwe and how can I get there? And to create that pathway for them, to create a place they could go train just like as if they were at a D1 college or on a pro team um, so that they can make that transition. I think that transition would be, you know, I don't know that you would have seen a Ronda make that transition or people like that make the transition as successfully without that, that system. And how, so, and how, is, how is women's wrestling? I mean, it was, you know, it, it's become huge and it like – Back in the day, it wasn't as big as it was. It was always the guys, but with women like, uh, you know, all the women. Like, I just saw that movie, Fighting With My Family. Like, uh, it's 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 as big as the guys now and as in- interesting for a wrestling fan. I, I love to watch those uh, matches, too. Like, was that yeah, something that you know, guys did? Or was that something that just happened? Well, no, it's something that we consciously went after, but also, you know, you can say it's like the chicken or the egg thing, right? Like what are what are fans and what is the world willing to accept? I think if you go back 20 years ago and you say there are going to be, you know, Dana White said it at one point in time, right? There will never be women's yeah. MMA. Well, the UFC will never have women in it. And then along comes Ronda Rousey and she captivates everybody. Um, you know, there's a there was a period of time, if you go back 25 years, 30 years ago, that anybody would think that, oh, the women's soccer team would be, bigger than the men's soccer team in the U.S. or that, um, you know, the the world would be captivated by the female gymnast or, or women's tennis would be bigger than men's. You know, it that stuff goes through transitions and what people are willing to accept. But as you're kind of watching what's happening in the world and seeing what's going on and changing how they are, it used to always, even for me as a talent, I used to always think to myself like, man, some of these women are really talented, but we don't allow them to – to do what they do. And I don't know that fans would accept it, but like 
some of them could be really skilled. They've just never been trained right. So when when I kind of came in and, and took over developmental, it was kind of blank slating it and saying, we're going to recruit different women. We're going to recruit athletes. We're going to train them the same way. I remember walking in here one day and saying, well, they're not allowed to do that. They're trained like this. And I was like, why? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody could give me a good answer. So I was like, all right, so all that stuff goes out the window now. Here's what we're doing. And we changed it. And when you started to give them those opportunities and you had athletes like Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, uh, you know, Ember Moon and, and just uh, Naomi at that time and, and all these women that were in the system that just took that ball and ran with it. And you could yeah. very quickly see like, oh, my God, when they are applying themselves to this and learning it in the same way very quickly, they're almost more driven than the guys to prove a point and they're they're knocking that out of the park. You you go no further than our fans then with the give divas a chance hashtag trending <laughs> globally for three days and you know they drove that process but we were already there with it NXT started to give them a little bit of a platform to people see it for people to see it the fans got onto it said this is what we want they demanded it we followed suit and you know you have to look no further than this year's WrestleMania with Ronda Becky and Charlotte There's in the main the headline, event, yeah, and not, and not because it was a moment in time where we said, "Oh, let's make them the main event and capture some headlines." It had nothing to do with that. It was because they were the main event. You can clearly look at that run into Mania and go, "What was the the most talked about thing?" It was that match. What was the most talked about storyline? That match. What was the the biggest attraction? That match. Yeah, and it was the match the fans wanted to see the most too. That was yeah, everybody yeah. thought that that's where it should be. Yeah, are you absolutely. are you in, are you involved in the production of like now you guys are doing movies and and TV? Are you involved in all that too, or are you just in the wrestling side of it, the the live events and the? Shows I'm in like- more the wrestling side of it and the live events. Cl- clearly, I have you know knowledge about what's happening and you know all of the all of the pieces and components that go into it from a bigger scope of what WWE is. You know, I, I often say that WWE and the, you know, people ask me, where is it in 10 years or 15, 20 years from now? And, and to me, I feel like we're at that tipping point where WWE is like a Disney or a Marvel where it becomes less about the comic books, less about the, the um, princesses and the cartoon characters. And all of a sudden becomes this, this different entity that that all these things, movies, television, all these different things roll into because at the end of the day, while what we do as a core product is in-ring, we're really a giant media company that is that is out there promoting and and, uh, and doing all this other media stuff, and, and that's where we really excel. And, that, and, and that's why yeah. Sam has to get pizzazz he has to <laughs> he has to yeah, show business. his hair back get a silver tie something <laughs> i mean look tie. at his beard and look at your beard that beard has levels i mean yeah. the mustache is separated from the beard i mean <laughs> it looks great and then your beard is just like you're a like you're you're a fisherman like you're in canada fishing for trout there's fishermen who like wrestling too though yeah absolutely but i the bet fishermen they want to relate there are, I believe there is some fish in the beard right now. <laughs> there could be, I don't check. Yeah, yeah, it looks like some scales. So tonight's a, tonight's a big night because, you know, Triple H was just talking about when he came over and took over developmental, which literally used to be developmental. It used to be a place where they would get people and train them how to be WWE superstars, how to go on WWE TV and perform in this way. And when you took it over, it, you branded it NXT, 
and you started to to build this brand, which started to attract eyes of not people just going like, oh, I'm just curious about what's coming next, but no, I just want to watch NXT. You have some of the best athletes in the world, and you've brought it so far to a point, like WWE Network specials, a weekly television show on the network to tonight, which is the first time that NXT is going live on USA for two hours in primetime in your weekly s- slot. So what is today like for you? I mean, this this has to be an, an insane It is, yeah. And, and it's just been a crazy ride of of doing this and thinking it's going to get to a certain point and then it just keeps growing and growing and growing and you're, you're riding along with it. But it's been a methodical growth pattern and, and getting where we are now where I think, you know, the term developmental for me, everybody in this business until the day you're out of it is developmental in some way. You're going to learn about this until – because crowds change – um, the way people uh, want to watch change. So all, all that stuff shifts. So you're constantly learning in this because it, it's a live product. Mm-hmm. So it's going to constantly change. You're not just making a static television show that you record and put out and put a laugh track on it or something. So so there's always going to be that. But I think t- today really marks the point, for me anyways, where NXT uh, hits the same sort of plane as Raw and SmackDown. Is it on the same level at the exact moment? No. Is it, you know, to the same level of knowledge or anything else? No. But this is the moment in time where there are now three distinct brands. Raw, SmackDown, NXT. I believe talent can go from one to the other, back and forth, um, and, and you know, create longevity to their careers where, you know, if, if you're in in one place for 10 years, that's a long time. People seeing you doing mm-hmm. the same thing over and over again for 10 years. Um, the ability to go from one to the other and work with different people and do different things, reinvent yourself, all that stuff. It, it just creates longevity for careers. And then as that grows and you see NXT UK, yeah. as we expand globally, now we have a performance center in London. Um, as that expands globally, you'll see more of those. So you'll see territories for lack of a better term, around the globe where people can go and continue to to grow their careers and make it longer so that they have that, they can spend their entire arc here and have it be meaningful and in a professional way, not running out there trying to hope the guy pays you and if I get hurt, now what, you know? And do you think as far as this has expanded past developmental, that it's become a brand instead of a department, right? Yes. So do you think that you will still have the same level of autonomy that you've had over it as big as this thing gets? Or is Vince the type of person that goes like, look, I trust you, but you're now sending this out to millions of people. I need to have my hands on this. Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. So, you know, the one thing that people don't give credit for to Vince is that all everything in this company eventually is because of him, right? Like Mm -hmm. at this point, like if he doesn't want to do it, it isn't happening. Um, if he doesn't see the value in it, it isn't happening. And I get that people could look at it and go, yeah, but NXT was over here. It was a network thing. No big deal. But he saw the growth. He saw everything happening. He saw the alternative nature of it different than what uh, you know, Raw and SmackDown are. He understands that difference and why one works and why the other one doesn't and what needs to be put out there for the masses and for the general population. Also, what needs to be put out there for more passionate, you know, more uh, deeper level of engagement fans. NXT is something different. It isn't necessarily uh, 
what Raw and SmackDown would be because those are the general entertainment shows. So his his ability to separate and see the two is huge. Right now, there is no – he knows what makes it successful. He's like, just go make this successful and – Trust me, if well, we did something that was tragically wrong, he would be like, what are you doing? Right. Well, you know, so he'll put his hands that. on if need be, but as long as it's still successful, just keep doing. Yeah, and, and when I say that, that's that's no different than anything else in the company. Sure. Everything else is running in the company. But when you're at his level with all the stuff this company has going on, his his view is at 100,000 feet or higher, and, and he's just looking at things. And if he sees something wrong, he goes, "What do you, hey, I, don't, I think this might be the wrong direction for us as a, as a company. Um. That's been since the beginning of NXT. If he sees something that he doesn't like, yeah, he's gonna m- make a comment about it, and you either defend it or change it, right? And um, that's the way it's always been. But the, but the success of this has led him to believe it's in the right direction, and he's it. it it's just going. You yeah. know what I mean? It's well, just going. And and uh, with all the stuff we have going on, you just look at a, just this week alone, seven hours. Of live content. That's if you don't count 205 on the network, right? So if you do, that's eight hours of, of content just this week. And then there's a pay-per-view on Sunday. And that's going to be every week going forward. Yeah. 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 Like That's the one thing. Like, uh, I'm thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, man, I'm, I've been in Orlando a bunch lately. I'm like, I better get used to that. You know? <laughs> i here every week. Like, yeah. It's just all of a sudden it escalated rapidly, you know? Yeah. Well, Triple H, unlike Sam, I have total faith in your ability to run NXT. I don't think you're going to need any uh, outside. I apologize for Sam's uh, implying that you need help. Uh, yeah. The last time I saw uh, you and uh, I, I saw you and uh, Stephanie, I think it was backstage at Black Sabbath. Yes. Uh, I think that's the last time I saw you. What, what's the last concert you went to? Um, last concert I went to was a few weeks ago. I went to go see ZZ Top in uh, in um, New Hampshire. We, we have a place up in New Hampshire, and uh, we uh, Billy's been a fan, and Dusty have been fans for forever. They've been coming, I, I, man. I've known them since probably '95, coming to events, and they're huge fans. Um, great beards, a lot of our yeah, great they beards. pop. The beards pop. It's <laughs> a comment about yeah, me. No, I yeah, think, yeah, I think yeah. A little bit. It's a yeah. shot. It's a little bit yeah. of a shot. But um, g- huge fans, been friends of ours for a long period of time. So we just went to go see them. It was a spectacular concert. Their 50th anniversary, which wow. it's a funny thing. You know, like uh, Billy made a comment in the show, like uh, 50 years, same three guys. Wow. <laughs> same three chords. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I've never What's seen like- them live. There's actually one band I'd like to see live and never have. They were, f- they were phenomenal. Yeah, they were really, really good. What's it like to collaborate with Lemmy? I mean, not just know him, yeah, you know what I mean? But you actually collaborated on music for yeah. yourself with Lemmy. It was awesome. Um, you know, I didn't when, when we first did the first, the game track that was written um, by Jim Johnson and, and the WWE, I didn't know Lem at all, so when they did it, and it was a long process of me getting to the point where they were like, let's get Motorhead to do this. I mean, obviously you were a fan. Yeah, huge, yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. and that was the sound I wanted. The problem was they kept recording this this version of the song, and I, I hated it, and I kept, they would say, what do you want it to sound like? And I would say Motorhead, M- much more like Motorhead, mm-hmm. that that raw, guttural sound, like that, you know, aggressive, and, and uh, finally... Uh, they were like, well, we would just get Motorhead to do it. and Because I, I didn't know that was an option. If I would have <laughs> yeah. known that was an option in the beginning, I would have just said, let's get Motorhead to do it. Um, and they agreed to do it. And then Lem uh, you know, didn't know anything about it. They sent a video of me and pictures and stuff. And he's like, okay, I can make that guy. He rewrote the song, did the stuff, and, and recorded it. It wasn't until later we met and uh, a couple times and you know, cordial and everything. And then 
I did a track with them on an album called Hammered for them. It's a, a right. track called Serial Killer. It's a spoken word piece. Lem called me and was like, hey, uh, if we bring you out to L.A., would you do this track with me? I think our voices would sound cool, synced up together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll come and do <laughs> of it. Of course I will, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was just a spoken word piece, but I sat in the studio with them for two days while they were making that album, and Lem had already finished all his bass tracks. So he was just there, and I was just waiting to do my stuff while everybody else, you know, Phil was, uh, um, Mickey wasn't even there. Phil was doing his guitar stuff. Lem and I just sat on a couch in this living room for like two straight days and just became really good friends. Like, just like, it's hard for me to explain the relationship because he was obviously a lot older and um, in a different place, but we would have this, we had this relationship just where like, He'd call me out of the blue, and it was like we'd been on the phone five minutes ago, but I hadn't talked to him in three months. Isn't or, it interesting, too, what he was in? He was, he was like a big World War II buff, like all this oh weird God. stuff you'd never... Crazy, crazy historian, <clears throat> World War II. He was incredibly smart. You know, his lyrics, I think when you look at his lyrics, if you read into the lyrics, some of them are incredibly smart. Some of them are incredibly tongue-in-cheek. Like, yeah. He just made fun music, and he made music he liked, and <clears throat> but he, he was very... With Lem, what you saw was what he was. There was no, he didn't dress like that because that was how you were supposed to look as a rock star. That's just how he wanted to dress. And he acted a certain way. And the things he said, he had just a very simplistic way of looking at the world and life. And he had been through injuries. I I remember the first thing that he said to me that really led us into having a conversation away from, because when we spoke, we hardly ever talked about wrestling. But, um, away from music or anything else he just said hey when you had your injury with your leg he said did you, did you think your career was over how'd you deal with that because man when they told me i was diabetic i thought i was done and man that really got in my head and that started the conversation between the two of us in a different route he would come to like the staples center we'd be gonna you know gonna have tv there on event there i'd get a call from todd or he'd leave me a message lemwood and say uh saw you're at staples gonna stop by I'd I'd get message that he was there. He'd pull in his limo. He'd have our production people wait. He, he wasn't like a huge fan, so he would uh, sit in the car. And then before my match would come, he, they'd bring him out. He'd sit in the arena. I'd put him over when I went to the ring. I'd have my match. I'd usually lose. I'd go over to him. He'd go, you're perfect for Motorhead. You never win. <laughs> and, then, and, then, uh, and then he'd say, you know, I'll be in the car. And I would get done the show. I'd go shower and stuff. Two hours later, whatever, I'd come out. He'd limo'd still be underneath. He'd just be sitting in a limo. Most times, just him. I'd go knock on the door. I'd get in the car. We'd sit in the car. Sometimes me, sometimes Regal, sometimes other people, but mostly me and him. And we'd just sit for a couple hours and just awesome. sit in the car and chat and talk about life. And uh, he did that in London. He'd show up in London, or you know, if we were in town, a couple times we'd stop by the Rainbow, you know, and. He and I would just sit, and he sometimes one time he had him close it down just so he and I could just sit in there and just talk. And that life stuff has to blow your mind. Like you have this friendship with Lemmy, and then I was watching your like uh, WrestleMania diary, and you and Stephanie are hanging out in Rick Rubin's oh my, yeah, the, house, like this creative genius, and you're yeah. just like, yeah, here's my process, here's how I hang out. Yeah, and then like ten minutes later, we're at Rick Rubin's house, and he's like, hey, come in the back, I got this this kid's gonna uh, come and perform for me today, which, you know, if you're the kid playing, is mind-blowing, right? And yeah. And we walk in the back, and he's got Bob Dylan's 
t- old tour bus that he's had refurbished into a like a recording studio, and like it, the whole thing is just trippy. And if you've ever met Rick, like he's trippy. Yeah, uh, yeah, just surreal. There's some things like that. I'm not a big like. Um, I'm not like a big like starstruck. I've never been that way. Like to me, people are people, and then you meet them, and they're either cool or they're not. Doesn't yeah. matter what they do. And um, but yeah, there's you know. It's a funny thing for me growing up. There was only certain people that I really looked at and thought like, oh, man, that, that guy is something cool, like Arnold or something. And then later I did a lot of stuff with him and, and got to be friends with him and j- just different people that have come in and out and, and of, of my life and been extraordinarily lucky in that sense of just being a lot around a lot of really cool people. And to me, moments in time, like when you get to sit with Rick Rubin, even just sitting in a room with him for a couple of hours, you learn so much about not not the music but just perceptions of life and how he thinks of things right. and like that perspective of stuff i learned so many things from lem without him ever probably thinking he was ever teaching me anything i guess in a way like but just just being around him makes you think of things differently and um it's just a really cool process this, the stuff rick rubin did with uh with johnny cash was really great. Did you ever see the video? You probably have. Uh, For God's gonna cut you down. It's this black and white video. I think they made uh, it after Johnny Cash died, where they have all these interesting people, and they have one of the guys yes. from ZZ Top making these weird cameos. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is crazy, and that Johnny Cash thing. So you talked about collaborating with Lemmy. So yeah. Like one of when when Lem was really sick, he got really sick, and then probably a year or two before he passed. But then he kind of made a comeback. And, uh, and to use wrestling terms, he kicked out, made a comeback, and then I uh, did well for a while and before he passed. And so during that time when he was really sick, I saw him in L.A., and um, we talked to him about doing um, some covers. And that the Rick Rubin, Johnny Cash stuff was an inspiration to me because I love the voice and the things that they did that were different so much Yeah, that I, um, we sat in the back of the Staples Center and uh, started talking about... Hey, what up, man? What if you did some covers? And, you know, we did this project together and, and we'll promote it. And, you know, and he was really into it. And we had a deal created with the record label. And um, we started putting together a list of tracks. And I'll never forget it because Neil Lowey, our music guy, was in the room. And Lem at first was like, you know, hey, what do you mean? Like, what do you, like, what kind of music? And I'm like, you know, Lem, some outside the box stuff, right? Like, stuff that people would never think you would do but yet your voice is so iconic that in those moments it's incredibly powerful and i name off a couple of things and then neil goes you know maybe even a rap track and (laughs) lemmy's eyes bugged out of his head and he was like Effing rap. Yeah, I got this here. I got stop. <laughs> yeah, like you're about to shut the whole deal down. Right? He did good covers. Did you ever hear his cover of uh, uh, "Shout It Out Loud" or a great one of "Breaking the Law"? Let me did great covers. Oh yeah, really good. So, so he, he, interesting story. And uh, this will sound like I'm trying to and I'm not trying to take credit for anything here. But I'm just because uh, it's, it's a fun story. And so we're sitting in that room, and one of the tracks I mentioned is "Sympathy for the Devil." I said, and he was like, ah. Not a big Stones. Like, he's a big Beatles guy. Yeah. Wasn't a big Stones guy. And I, I'm like, man, to me, that song with your voice on it, Lem, like, you're the devil, right? Like, the, your voice. Like, that's, that, man, that is, I don't know. So I talk, I talk him into it. And it's the first one he does as, as that cover for this album that we were going to do that was all cover tracks. 
and he sends me a cut of it like i don't know they, they go in and they record it a couple weeks later and todd his manager is sending us feedback like dude this thing is incredible everybody in the studio is freaking out about how good it is lem sends it over to me and he like he leaves an entire verse of the song out and i call him up and i'm like lem this sounds incredible but like you got to do the whole song, man. <laughs> and he's like, the song is too long. Like, I'm not singing the whole song. And I'm like, it's not the song. If you don't, everybody knows the song. You got to do the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'll think about it. And then Todd called and uh, finally he said, he he said, because you want him to do it, he'll, he'll, he'll agree to do it. So they did it. They finished it. And then like everybody was freaking out. I mean, they've used that thing for commercials you know, all that stuff. And the other song that we had on the list was Bowie's Heroes. Oh, uh, it would have been amazing. No, he did it. Did he? It's on have the, you heard that, Jim? Uh, no, not Bowie's Heroes. Oh, my God. So if, when when we suggested it, when the room, and I was like, David Bowie, like, Heroes, you doing that song? He's like, I am not singing about dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing it. And I was like, let me re- rewrite the lyrics. Like, put it in your words. But the song itself is so cool and iconic. <laughs> And I could picture Phil doing it with the guitar, you know, <laughs> you, you got to listen to it. It's awesome. Lem rewrote the lyrics and they did the track. They were supposed to do a whole bunch of them. And, you know, towards the end, he knew, right? He didn't yeah. know until he came back and they told him, you know, he went in because it was breaking down bad. And that's when they looked, you know, they, they did the scan and said, dude, you got brain cancer. Like you're done. Like, like it's shocked that you're here. And uh, which shocking that he'd been here probably for the last yeah. years of his life. <laughs> yeah. But um, he knew, you know, that that run on the end and like he did those tracks, but then they ended up putting them out on um, like Sympathy. He put out on uh, Bad Magic. I think the last album they did, they did the undercover album. They did. I think that's where they put heroes and stuff. But to the to the last one of the last times I saw him. We did an interview with him. Uh, I asked him about doing an interview. I said, you know, I, I, I didn't really say it in this manner, but I could tell when I, I could tell when I was talking to him, he was checking out, you know, like hmm. not, not checking out in like he was off checking out in like, yeah, I'm, I'm at the end, dude. Like, yeah. You know, when, when I, when, when we would leave, it was might be last time. Yeah. So I asked him about doing an interview and he said, yeah. And at that time, he wasn't doing anything. And I brought Corey Graves with me because Corey Graves is a fan. I needed like a somebody to ask questions because Lem and I would go off on this tangent and never talk about anything interesting except something to he and I. And uh, we went to the Rainbow. It was closed. They just put me, Corey, and, and Lemmy. We've never put it out yet, but it's one of the last interviews that he's ever wow. done. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you and, should uh, put that out. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's something that we're talking about doing in this, in this coming year. And um, we've just kind of been waiting for the right time, but... Um, it's one of the last interviews that he did and it's, uh, I mean, it's amazing, but in, even at that meeting, so his manager Todd was there <laughs> and for like 20 minutes leaving as we're walking out, he is blistering Todd about the fact that they couldn't get all these covers on the album. And Todd is like, Lem, there's only so much space <laughs> on a vinyl. Like I can't put more stuff on there. I got to take a song off if you want to put another song on. And Lem is, I don't care. You're so full of crap. You could have got the, all these songs on that album, and it's bullshit. And he was so mad at Todd 
we t- we we just talked about it the other day because they just sent me some stuff and I was talking to Todd and and uh, he was like, God, remember how mad he was at me for those covers not being on the, the album? <laughs> and, and like it was the funny he he dug dug the covers and it was so from a collaborative process it was so like that's amazing fun doing stuff with him and and kind of getting. I don't know, getting his take on it and getting him outside of the box and doing stuff, it was a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm already in a lot of trouble because I've kept you about 10 minutes longer than I was supposed to, and yeah. now you're way behind schedule. I don't even know if NXT will be on time tonight at 8 p.m. <laughs> Trust me, it'll on be on the USA time. Network, but you've got a very, very, very busy day ahead of you. It's it's going to be a busy day, but it's going to be a fun day. Um, you know, we got a lot of... Uh, a lot of big show going on. Yep. Adam Cole and and uh, Matt Riddle for the NXT Championship, which is going to be spectacular. And and we're we're starting the show with that tonight. That's what's kicking off at eight. I said it when we had Adam Cole on the show, but if you haven't watched wrestling since the Attitude Era or whatever, like NXT is, you're going to love it. Like NXT yeah. is to me, and I've said it before. I worked here, the best product on TV as far as well, wrestling goes. That. As far I as I'm concerned, that. yeah. But that's on the talent, man. They're awesome, and yeah. And I can't say it enough. Everybody across the board within the brand works your tail off. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.